Ladies and gentlemen, this is Fresh Talk, and you just missed a conversation about Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> Great. Fuck it. That's I what was we excited about, about it. That's what we talked about. And it was uh, an inspiring conversation. You'll never it know. It was inspiring and depressing. Yeah, it was. Kind of bummed me out. It's kind of nice. We're all back together again. Yeah. We just got the band back together, guys. The gang's all here. My name is Chris. Kai. I'm Dan. I'm John. And special guest. Jacqueline. Hey. You're like the fifth yeah. Beatle. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You're the Stortcliffe of Fresh Talk. Yeah. And she brought <laughs> the, baked the, goods. The Pete Best. She brought baked goods. Pete Best is what I was thinking. Wait, what break, what wait, baked I'm goods did to, you bring? I'm supposed to whisper. I, that's, I, I've caught up on episodes uh, and apparently whisper is my thing. Oh, it is? Apparently. Oh. That's that's what you guys told me. Yeah, in my ears. I think we also filled in for you with the, some whispering while you were gone. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's, that's true. Fresh anyway, well, back hey, to baked goods, the, the important news. Yeah, there are baked goods here. Yeah. And I'm, you know why there are baked goods I, here? There, there's a celebration today. There's that's a celebration, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Mazel tov, John. Gracias. Yay. Thank you. John, yeah. John, happy birthday, John. I'm now 31. To you. 31 to years you. old. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. All right. Give you the Weird Al song. It's time to celebrate your birthday. We'll drink. Aww. <laughs> Here's one half of one lyric of the Weird Al song. <laughs> Here's a line really, from a Weird really Al song. Really botched that one. <laughs> Thanks Wait. a lot. That's like saying ha birthday. Ha birthday, John. Happy. Okay, here we go. It's time to celebrate your birthday. It happens every year. We'll eat a lot of broccoli and drink a lot of beer. The monkeys in the Pentagon are gonna kick our goop. Fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was on you got, fire that time you got a half a birthday. Yeah, that's true. I love it. Well, happy birthday to you, John. Did Thank you have you. a good day today? Did you work? I did. I did work. And uh, so I guess it wasn't that great. You know, with all the fucking bullshit holidays they have, at least in the United States, I think you should not have to fucking work on your birthday. It should just be mandated. I agree. That would be good. I've been trying to work that angle for years. (laughs) It has never worked for me. It didn't work for me when I worked retail and they gave you everything off. Yeah, I mean, it's your birthday for all the other bullshit that they take off for. You think like that should be like the day you don't have to work. I am not a veteran. I have no memory. I have no memorial. I was not there for our independence. Give me my goddamn birthday off. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Totally. And you should get free meals. It should everywhere. be a national holiday. Oh, yeah. free meals would be good. Like anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Right. Like you just go like to war. Like, I'm going to get 30 place people be hospitalized on their birthday. <laughs> you know, though, you can go to just save all that. Just go to Denny's. You'll still be hospitalized. <laughs> you, and you'll eat for free. So I miss you got sick. I guess, did you guys talk about this last week? We did. You yeah, got did. sick overseas. On my birthday. Oh. Actually, speaking of, bir- yeah. speaking of <laughs> happy birthday. shitty birthday. What's what's was, it, you, was it like real Literally. deal? It was real. Yeah. I spent, I, I essentially spent most of my 35th year beginning on this earth, on this earth shitting or uh, sleeping uh, or being absolutely delirious. Being sick abroad <laughs> is terrible. It's I was still worst. sick a man, but I was <laughs> I was true. not. I was reaching. I couldn't find it. You found it. You yeah. found the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, hey, we we are all here. Everybody is actually in town together in the same place this week, and uh, fresh talk has uh, arrived. Yet it again, commenced. yeah, it has commenced. Um, it's like Voltron. We're we're now a mighty robot. And we have segments. Kai, do we have some records to talk we about? We do. There's not too many actually, because okay. I I did the big catch up. Um, first of all, I'm just going to go with the big one because it's the one I really really care about. Uh, Surfer Blood, back finally. They put out my favorite record of two years ago. They're back with a new record called Thousand Palms, which they basically put out. A record, got some attention, put out another record that was 
pretty fucking big. I mean, big producer, big label, big money, big Dude, that's Pythons, right? That was Pythons. Okay. Big everything. This and they, I guess the experience was pretty rough. They said it was pretty harsh. It was like a thousand people scrutinizing every note going in and out. So what they did with this one is they just recorded it themselves in their fucking house, in their houses or apartments in Florida, and just just straight went pretty kept it pretty real. And it's great. It's because after Pythons and after they got dropped, they they released a record of all the demos, kind of showing like, look, yeah, we had this big producer and this big label, but we wrote these fucking songs and they were almost virtually identical to the original demos that they released. So I think they wanted to prove themselves a little bit, but fuck, it's really, really good. Really pumped on that. That's awesome. Uh, Rhett Miller, who has been mentioned on this many podcast. times. Uh, lead oh, singer of the old 97s. <laughs> yes, lead singer of the old 97s. Put out a, another solo record. Have you heard it? Yes. I listened to the whole thing from top to bottom. What's the review? Because I'm very curious. Because his first two solo records are incredible, and then it got really shaky on the last two. It is not his best. Okay. It is not his second best. Okay. It is not his worst. It's If I would rate it, I would say it's the dead middle of his records. Okay. It's not the first two. But it's not the last two. It's not two. the last two. It's in the it's middle. It's right in the middle. Does it, it, it give you at least one or two really good Rhett Miller songs? Yes. And it actually rocks. He doesn't go ballady at all. He okay. kind of, he's it's it's a love record. It seems like he, I, he must be writing, a, finally written a record about his wife or something. Because it's basically about. Well, he was married to a model. I don't know if that stayed. Well, I think it must have stayed or at least has stayed through this record. Because oh. it's clearly somebody that's fucking somebody incredibly beautiful that mm-hmm. has to write the main record so that his ugly ass can keep said model. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I'm, I'm into it. It's cool. It's that's good. That's a good it's, title it's, for a record, Keeping Said Model. Yeah. <laughs> It's. It is certainly. Isn't that? Wasn't that this year's model essentially? Yeah. 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 I mean, sort of. That's like trading models. But it's great. Uh, it's not great, but it's. It's good. It's, okay. It's three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. You know? I was out hoping of, you say it was epic. You know. I've only given it one listen, so okay. it could be. I've just been on that goddamn Surfer Blood record. Uh, singer songwriter Patrick Watson put out a song called "Love Songs for Robots." Very quirky singer songwriter. Um, kind of on the. Folky singer songwriter side, but really great lyrics. You actually might dig him, like okay. in a Cody kind of way. Okay. You know, chiller stuff, but but What's really. Uh, Patrick Watson. Patrick Almost Watson. called Love Songs for Robots. Okay. I'm check that out. Patrick enough. Watson. And that's it for the week. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but you missed last week. I don't know if you well, know this. I, I'm sure that was like four hours. I mean, you'd be gone for two but, weeks. But last that was week, the episode. Records of the week with. Mac McCon from Super Chunk put out a solo record. Did he really? He did. How's he that? Did. It's it's pretty good. Okay. It's do you like the the other stuff he's done like the 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 non Super Chunk stuff he's done? Mm, I'm not too familiar with it to be okay, honest. Okay. Well, give it a listen. Okay. And then also, have you listened to They Might Be Giants? Uh, yes. Uh, I know all the songs though because it's a collection of the new Dial of Songs that they released. So they put all those out as singles online, but and then they just kind of put them together on a record. I didn't know so, this. That explains also, but it's it's better than anything they've put out in several records. I think. Yeah, well, I like Join there, Us a lot, but it's definitely better than that last. There's a few really good songs on it, and then there's a few you know give or takes you know but it's just that's most they might be giants records right i mean since, recent recent since like the first three six, <laughs> oh, six. really oh yeah yeah okay um don't yeah. you discount hovering sombrero yeah oh yeah i know it's a great song <laughs> uh, i'm not talking about songs I'm talking about whole records <laughs> yeah front to back mm-hmm. fair enough fair mm-hmm. enough cool 
So those are our records for the week. Oh, also there's a book. Forgot. There's okay. a book this week, actually, believe it or not. Uh, Mark Danielewski, who's oh, yeah, probably definitely. nobody here's read. <laughs> he wrote a book called House of Leaves that is amongst readers a huge cult classic. I've talked about this before, but he essentially, he's got some sort of mental issue. His sister is the singer Poe. Don't oh. judge him on that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say. But he, so that'll, he, that'll fuck you up. He was working on this book, this book that was even beyond his scope, couldn't organize it. He was writing it bits and pieces, some on a typewriter, some in handwritten, blah, blah, blah. And little bits and pieces were leaking in this day and age where things were leaking. Finally, an editor put it together. It was called House of Leaves. Changed the literature at the time, completely crazy. And they put it out and they published it exactly as it was written. So some of it's typewritten, some of it's like a typewriter, some mm. of it is handwritten. Great. Then uh, took him a while, put out his follow-up called Only Revolutions, which I think is his masterpiece. It's just just perfect. It's it's a story. It's essentially a love story from two perspectives, the guy and the girl. Mm, I and remember you, it, when you got this book. They parallel each other and you, you essentially read a chapter – and then you flip the book upside down and you open it back up and you read the exact same experience from the other person's perspective. And oh, you do this throughout the entire that's book. That's crazy. And then it meets in the middle with the exact same chapter. What the hell is the printing like on that? That yeah, they just don't, blows he, my mind that they would even be able to... His books you can't buy digitally because the typeset is so important. It would have worked, yeah. So all those things are very but to stylized. to put that together, that's almost like an art project outside of forget writing the story. You actually have to line pages all up. All of his and books are that way. That's Every wild. one of his books are that way. His, the, he did another short story that was a, a folk tale that he created, told by several different characters, and each each line is a different from a different character's perspective. And the only way you know which character it, it introduces you to all the characters at the beginning, and then the sentence, the first letter of the sentence is a specific color. Everything else is black and white. It's one color, and that tells you what character, and it's from their perspective. But they're all telling the same folk story. That's bizarre. It's crazy. So he put out a new book. It's a two-parter. The second part comes out in October. Each one is equally stylized, but each one is exactly 800 pages. This is called The Familiar Volume 1. I'm sure it's going to – I mean, he takes so long to make books, but each one is as – he's a guy that everyone wants to fail every time, and he just does. Because <laughs> he, he The takes one so, guy that's innovating in literature. he's so fucking eccentric <laughs> that you just kind of – like I've Everything I said, I want to hate him as much as everyone listening kind of wants to hate him because he sounds like he's just trying really hard. But he's just that fucking left to center in that. His publisher must hate him. Oh, I have. What do you think his editor? All right, so this new book, like you're gonna eat it. His publisher (laughs) shit it. It'll tell a story. His publisher doesn't care because they're making money. His editor is a fucking saint. Hmm. That's crazy. So that's that came. So out we have a book this week. The that's familiar volume one. There's a lot of books this year. We're gonna every author I read, but one is putting out a book. Oh, you're this excited because you are a big reader. I am. Yeah. I'm very did excited. you? I imagine I you did a lot of reading while you were abroad. I we actually we oh, settled your bet. Look what I did there. <laughs> and all of you, all of you, overguessed. I read one book. Oh. Actual number, actual claim. <laughs> what book was that? One book. It was a history of the country I went to. Oh, that's cool. But I read one before Did you read I went it while to... you're on the shitter? <laughs> no. You wrote was... a new it sounds like you wrote a new chapter to that that's, book. That's I... why he only read one book because yeah. he was on the shitter so he <laughs> no, like sick. I, no, I didn't read it cuz I was delirious. Mm. I was literally like hallucinating. It was brutal. But I I read one. I read a history of the country before I went that was by a scholar and then I read one by someone that is from a long line of Burmese people and 
the latter was much better than the former. The former was much like a textbook, but written by an Englishman who had definitely had an agenda, seeing as that was a country controlled by the English for 50 years. Wow. I have Weren't noticed... Weren't they all? Uh, yeah, most. that's true. Most. <laughs> uh, I have noticed Myanmar in the news lately. Yeah. A little more than usual. Yeah. The trail of shit that's behind by some usual. They just have more tourism than usual, so right. now white people are paying attention. Uh, <laughs> these kind sense. of things go on. The but border, it, was, it was good that Rambo cleared it up, right? He, yeah, but he just cleared up the border. I didn't. Yeah. Go, I'm not. He did a good border. fucking job, though. Well, I mean, he did a thorough job. <laughs> yeah, he certainly did a thorough <laughs> Who job. Who forget when he let the bomb off <laughs> in the movie? Yeah, yeah, he did a very thorough job of clearing that. I border. am so excited to see the new Rambo. It hasn't I, been filmed yet. I can't wait. Did we talk about the title already? Mm. I think we did mention it. Okay, once. The, the, the first Rambo movie we is called First Blood. Right. This movie is called. Last blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, that's too good. I can't wait. I can't wait to go see another midnight showing. Because yeah. we talked about that. Yeah. But. Oh God, wait, have so they started fun. filming it? I don't think so. I think oh. he's writing it. Nice. And I can't imagine that there's a lot of writing that occurs. Right, like Rambo runs in. He says, Ugh, and then he blows <laughs> something up. You know? It's gonna be great. And uh, again, we have our guest here today with Yay. her essentially monthly segment, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. Um, we are going to take Cosmo questions. Yeah. So we're right. going to do a different this time. We've done this once, Yeah. Right? We're going to do this different this Round time. two. It got very offensive. <laughs> we are going to do one at a time. So each of you gets your own question. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. interesting. All right. So I'm going to start with Kai and then just go. And once again, John, tell everybody Dan. about your blog real quick if they didn't hear yeah, the Yeah, so episode. it's agentjacqueline.com and I'm following Cosmo for a whole year. This month kind of sucks because it involves me buying a lot of beauty products and it's really expensive <laughs> and I don't have a job. Well, so. But the crux <laughs> of the blog is to basically live your life via Cosmo's instructions. Yeah. She's yep. spending a lot of time at Sephora. Yeah. I'm sorry, I know that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time at Sephora too. <laughs> um, you know, I like well, so makeup. It's just expensive. <laughs> so Cosmo's really expensive. Yeah, all, dude, makeup is fucking expensive. Yeah. You walk into a place, girl picks up a pencil. A pencil! It's like a colored pencil. Like, what is that? Like, a dollar ninety nine? Like, no, this is $50. What? $50 for a fucking colored pencil that you write in your face? With? I mean, I could She's complain crazy. about some makeup, but I'll save that for a later yeah, date. It blew my mind. All right. Let's get them questions. All right, okay, okay. So, Kai, we will start with mm-hmm. you. And the first question is, I'm secretly dating my coworker, and we're really into each other. Should one of us leave our job if we want to start getting serious? No. Absolutely not. No, no, no. You just don't tell anybody until it's serious enough to where you have to tell everybody because everybody already knows. I mean, no. that's like, you yeah, know. No. You just go on your couple of dates. You fuck a few times and see if this is going to work out before you make things weird. But don't make things weird. Cause it always does. gets weird when yeah, you're dating coworkers. Yeah. I have a blog about dating coworkers, actually. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it does get kind of weird when, it, it, only when they start dating another coworker. <laughs> when, you, when your situation doesn't work out and one of you start dating another coworker, then it gets. She gets. I weird. never experienced that. I've had lots of coworker breakups, yeah. and I'm like the worst with breakups. I just stop talking to the person. So even if they're in the hall and they're like, "Hey," I'm like. Nah, you don't exist. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> yeah. I'm coworker counselor, but I, I get stuck in the middle where I'm like, oh, eh, God. Don't worry about th- eh. I fucking hate <laughs> both of you, honestly. Just, just, both of you die. That's funny. So, All yeah, right. just don't talk about it. That's my advice. Just okay. That's until easy. Until there's something to talk about. That's easy enough. Um, we saved a really good question for Chris. Are you prepared? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. All right. Um, I wasn't in the mood for sex, and my boyfriend was, so he asked if I could show him my boobs and talk dirty to him to help him get there. 
Uh, he asked should that I or really she asked that? He asked for her okay, to do that. Fair enough. Because she wasn't? She, she didn't want to have sex with him. Okay. He's making okay. Okay. Should I really be providing masturbation inspiration? Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Fuck yeah. Right. End of story. True. Next I, question. I, I say fuck no. question is that? We can write Cosmo. Really? Why? Okay, so why do you disagree? Do that. You wouldn't. I think it's we. I also, like, such a fucking prude, but, like, if I... If my boyfriend was like that, I'd be like, why don't you just go take a shower? <laughs> do what you always do. <laughs> but I think that's a compliment. I think they should agree. They guess, should have I guess that's written true. that poor girl back and just said, whip out them titties and <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you're not down to pound and you're right. just going to... You're getting off easy. Yeah, you're exactly. not down to pound. So take so your man to Titty off. City. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or do you want to know what their answer quitty. was? Yeah, what was their answer? Short version. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Well, oh, God. Yeah. God forbid you <laughs> show your juggies. PC police. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Come on. Don't do anything you don't want to. You're probably getting raped. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you're not getting raped? That's probably the cover of the next Cosmo. Step number one. Make Are you sure, sure you're, you're not, getting, not raped? getting raped right now in line at the supermarket reading this? Right. Ten, Ten signs you're talking yeah. to a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Take the test. Yeah, take the Ten quiz. Signs yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Ten signs you're getting raped. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Oh, goodness. Cool. Is the man behind you looking at your personal hygiene products? <laughs> He's kind of raping it, isn't he? They're Cosmo he is. <laughs> Um. All right, John. All right, let's do this. All right. I just started seeing a guy, and my birthday party is coming up. Inviting him means he'll prematurely meet my friends and family. Not inviting him seems rude. Help. Don't do it. Just enjoy your birthday and figure out your shit with the guy later. Yeah, I agree That's with that. I mean, if he's butthurt about it, then he's, he's not probably... your good friend. Like, your birthday's yeah. for your good friends or whatever. If you're alone on your birthday, then, yeah, of course. But, yeah. Good answer. Yeah, Easy. Answer. <laughs> and whip out your titty so he can jack off to <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> All right. All Send right. him a titty pic and call it a day. What an infuriating question. My boyfriend wants to see my titty. Should I let him see him? Well, that's, that's <laughs> the whole like, point of this. Is... Don't get with him, then. He's Roll. such a guy. such a man. Yeah, yeah if you don't want to fuck your dude, and you don't even want to let your dude jerk off to thinking about you... What are you doing? Shit is fucked. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Just, just saying, because I mean, at some point, a dude just gonna be like, you know what? I don't really want to fuck you right now, but can I just look at one of them titties? I only need one. <laughs> that's going. That conversation is gonna happen. Right. Right. We've all this. It's never happened man. to me before. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's our last? All question? right. Last question, Dan. The spoon man. Yep. Uh, my boyfriend's dad makes racist comments. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable, but I usually just laugh it off because I don't know how to handle it. My boyfriend just ignores me. How do I deal? Hmm. I, I don't know. Make a racist joke and see if they respond. Be like, ah, this guy. I'm assuming this girl is probably... Maybe talk to your fucking yeah. girl about it and be like, hey, your dad kind of makes me uncomfortable with those racist jokes. Is he really racist? No, the girl is offense offended. Right. Oh. oh. Oh, There's wait. nothing from a man's perspective in this magazine, Dan. That's very true. Yeah. I, don't know. I was sorry. I was in my perspective. <laughs> no, it happens talk to you to all the, the time. But. That's how I, I live in my perspective. <laughs> yes, that's talk it. to them about that's, it. That's Jesus, an fuck. That's an interesting one. Though. Yeah, that's a good question. Though, I don't know. Sometimes you got to let abrasive people be abrasive and let it go. And so, Yeah, but if it's like one of those things where it's all the time and it's somebody you have to spend a lot of time with, do you, I mean... Yeah, but is she like a white social worker girl? Well, it doesn't say. Yeah, I'm assuming right. she's like... We've, talk, she? we've talked about this before in terms of racism before in here. And it's just like, I think racism is so silly that it is funny to me. Mm-hmm. But if someone is actually a racist, 
that scary. Right. That's, that, that, you know. That's a good point because yeah. older generations, though, things are different. Where they're not necessarily like that generation specifically, like our parents' generation, is that generation where a lot of them. I, we've all run into this where it's like they're not hatefully racist. It's anecdotes. But yeah, they're yeah. like That's like my whole family. <laughs> they're yeah, they're they're comfortably racist. Yeah. It's right. just it's sort of a part of their culture. Like right. we were not raised that way. I didn't. I was raised around every. But it's funny race, how you can creed you could imagine like sentences now. If you say that's my blank one word changes to that's a blank right. is a completely yeah. different sentiment yeah like if you're saying a to mine if you're saying you know? like that's my nilla you're like that's my fucking nilla wafer and if you're like that's a nilla yeah you're like that could be anybody's nilla wafer yeah like if you said that to somebody i'd be like okay he throws that word around but everybody does it doesn't really freak me out but if you turned and pointed to somebody who said that i'd be like what the fuck did you just <laughs> say that you right. know Dolly. so fine line it's true it's all about context really right? i would imagine we've all been in that situation where you've had that moment where you're like, it's kind of crossed the line. But there's not one of like us here real. that doesn't have a sexist or racist uncle. Yeah, Every right. one yeah, of us totally. the, 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 And when they hang out yeah. with our gay uncle, shit gets super <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. My family's from Kentucky, so much like yours from Texas, we have the racism. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so, like the whole oh, yeah. and it's the not hateful, wafer it's debate. just weird. Right. You know, the whole Going back to the Nilla wafer. Back to the Nilla wafer debate. That word is being used now. I know, I don't personally know, but young kids in music, I'm not talking about like a black culture using that word. Are you saying that, that Nilla wafers are on the rise? Should I'm saying, I like, being invested in Nabisco at the moment? That guy that we make fun of. Uh, delicious. Uh, stitches. Stitches. He uses, say it all day long. He uses the, the, the N-word. The Nilla right. word. And he's completely white. Right. And he's, he's my Nilla. Yeah, well, but, I have an experience with that, too. That's kind of, I mean, like, that. that's weird that, like, that people literally aren't like, dude, fuck you. How dare you use that word? But if it's done in the context of a song... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's street credit. It's, things That's are true. very different, like though, that. you know? Yeah. I, I used would, to work I at a... I do that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. I worked at a record store for a long time, like all of you guys, basically. Salt? <laughs> no. <laughs> Could have. It's, they're hiring. It's, they're always hiring. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Um, but it was a really urban record store, I guess is how I'll so put it. It's Yep. <laughs> and I was one of the only That's people... That's what the label rep said. ...that were white that worked there, and... I used to use that language all the time too with my coworkers, and it was like, yeah. It's you weird. Know, it's Jack almost Lee, like the company that blank. you're around, how they interpret it or accept it. Yeah, you know, it's very strange. Well, it's like it's like I said, it's all about context. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Racism is ridiculous anyway. It doesn't yeah. even make sense, but it is a strange, strange conversation. It does exist. And just if someone's listening to the same, oh, this is a little weird for a bunch of white people to be talking about this. If you don't know, John is actually black. So yeah. Yeah, we. True. This is a cross. Race, it is platform, and that's actually why I asked to be Mostly born black. as a privileged white Jewish male, uh-huh. so I wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's essentially like the the most privileged, right? You're the most you're the most chosen. You've been chosen by everything, by everyone. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, but you've guys you're, you're, marked for death many times. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you've been singled out, chosen, singled out, chosen. Call it what you will. <laughs> well, wow. So those segments all went all over the place per that usual. That was weird. We did have a subject today. I Thanks, mean, I know Cosmo. time is flying. How are we doing, Dan? How are we doing? All right. We're okay. Okay. Well, our subject today, we are going to talk about something that I think everyone has a, an opinion on in multiple ways, and it has nothing to do with anything serious or racism or anything like that. We're talking Nirvana. Fine. Nothing serious about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not the concept no conspiracy of theories or anything. Not, not the the state of being. Not the hypothetical place. The band, and we're talking about it due to the fact that there was a 
new documentary that was just released uh, on HBO. Yeah. And it was in some theaters at some film festivals. But For like a day or something. Yeah, one, one of those of things. Theaters. It's called Montage of Heck. And it's supposed to be the most in-depth and most uh, revealing portrait of Kurt Cobain's and life. it's put together by mostly of footage, drawings, bits of Kurt Cobain's life that has never been released before. Stuff mm-hmm. that Courtney Love and his parents and people they have They tried to go to. really deep with it. It's supposed to be really, really honest, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well. It's Maybe not. Yeah. Honest well, is the, an interesting word. Well, to well let's start with this really fast. Let's get everybody's personal opinion on Nirvana because I yeah. think that'll help put things in perspective. And Much let's like talk Nola about Wafers. sort of the. I think just the. I mean, the impact that it had on all of us are within a few years of one another. Dan being on one end, Jacqueline, you being on one end, John and I being in the middle, Chris being pretty much in the middle you're we're the all, meat bitch we're all pretty yeah. close love sandwich you keep, keep making Dan the old one though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm a few months you're, off but if he's the old guy behind. roll with it yeah. Yeah, somebody dance. get Goldie in here quick yeah. I'm, somewhere, I'm somewhere in the middle Dan like fucking read us read us Dan was 47 when Nevermind was released it's, it's actually true I look very good for my age cool awesome. well, Dan was like what are these kids listen to it so loud <laughs> so loud <laughs> man I I'll, I'll start Nirvana for me changed my life I was needed deep at that time that generation the grunge generation literally i remember where i was when i saw the video i remember where i bought the cassette tape it's probably it's one of the most i'm not going to say it's one of my favorite records of all time but nirvana nevermind for me is one of the most important records in my life i was a kurt cobain junkie no pun intended but right. i was absolutely like to the point and obviously that was long before you guys ever met me but my room at one period was covered wall to wall in Kurt Cobain posters. I mean, yeah, that wallpaper. was Tuesday, right? <laughs> yeah, the last <laughs> week. Every single inch. I worshipped that band. I thought that it was the greatest thing that ever happened. It really inspired me to play because I had been messing around with the guitar, but that record was one of the records that made me like, I am going to play guitar and I am going to start a band. I grew my hair long. You know, I had long hair in high school. I started a grunge alternative rock band, literally, and a lot of that can be traced directly to that band and that record. So growing up, I was a maniac. I was, I remember where I was when he died, the whole nine yards. And I can say I saw Nirvana live. That's awesome. And there are probably 10,000 people that can say the exact same thing about the impact that they had on their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was when you're, I was, that record came out when I was in my eighth grade. Seventh grade. I think it was eighth. I think it was eighth or ninth. Uh, I, it maybe. would have been ninth, probably. Well, no, because you were a great above. We, me. Were, I was in, we, I was we were in, definitely in middle school. I bought it the week it came out. I was lucky enough to see the oh, video on 121. Uh, 120 Minutes, which was an MTV alternative oh, yeah. video show on Sunday nights. I saw it. I was literally stunned. I went that Tuesday when the record came out. It was actually the day before my birthday the record came out. And literally, that was it. I mean, that changed my whole direction. I wouldn't know you guys. I probably never would have started a band. I probably wouldn't have come out here. As I got older, I grew away from Nirvana. I don't listen to a lot of Nirvana in my free time. I own all the records. I don't really break them out much. Every once in a while when I do, though, I get that feeling of how much it affected me and how important I do think that record is. So that's that's my personal background, but I was a stone-cold fucking Nirvana nut. I was exactly the same way as you, and we've talked about this because mm-hmm. we were both similar background where we were pretty much rap kids in a day where white kids were not rap mm-hmm. kids and it, people didn't know what the fuck to make of it. And that was the record that... 
as I was starting to kind of explore other things and there were things around, same thing. I remember exactly where I was. I remember sitting down and seeing that Smells Like Teen Spirit video and my entire world changed instantly. It was so radically different than anything that was occurring at the time. They try and say that sometimes with certain projects or movies or music. That it was. was absolutely mind-boggling for a major label and MTV. I mean, for everything, was, anything it, that was coming in. It was an era of hair metal. It was. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, there were hair metal songs here and there. There were things that kind of, st- songs like Def Leppard's Portion Sugar on Me was one that I liked, but also because the verse was a little rappy. Yeah. So it, like, as a rap, I had the same like, thing. Like certain songs would sneak through like yeah. extremes more than words. I really like yeah, that song. Yeah, totally. Still and the Beastie Boys helped kind of that bridge a little bit. Yeah. But that was the first rock thing that just, I mean, I remember sitting down on a couch and staring at a TV yeah. mouth and just be, uh, knowing then, like, everything is different now. Yeah. Everything is different. Same thing. I went out immediately. I could not wait for my mom to get home from work. Yeah. I told her, I said, Mom, I've got this money saved. I need you to drive me right now to the warehouse. Yeah. I have to. I have to. I, wore, I have to have I wore warehouse. flannel. I, I wore baggy this. pants. Me too. I grew my hair out. I mean, I was a little kid, yeah. but I was... Absolutely obsessed with that. And I think you know? part of it was when you look at the hair metal thing, these were dudes in ridiculous outfits playing more notes than even not knowing how to play much music. You know you're not at that level. And they're rolling around and fires coming out and shit is, <laughs> is tigers so and... excessive that even as a kid, a 12-year-old, you know like it's that's another thing. That's a thing that I can't do. And this guy came along and was like, wait. Yeah. Like this is my neighbor. This is I. And there's it, a guy that jams in his garage and my. You know, next I was to talking that's to my, him. This was kind of like our punk. It was absolutely yeah. our punk. Yeah, I mean, it kind of. I was talking to my dad about it, but he remembers the time we. He, my dad owns and owned a music store at the time, but the amount of people that wanted to play guitar within the and year a or two. Fender Stratocaster. It was. It was a universe. <laughs> I mean, candy. it was. A people just flocked to bands, and and bands being in a band suddenly was cool and it was attainable. Like you said, if you were a ninth grade kid in high school and you played the guitar. You couldn't tease your hair and wear spandex and <laughs> and lipstick Not without and your play any yeah. of those songs. Yeah, it was like that was those you liked those bands, but they were far away. They weren't accessible. It was like the rock star world. He came along and basically tore down. He destroyed being a rock star. We've talked about some yeah, of the cool things absolutely. about being a rock star that he came along and said. I don't even want any part of that. And the, the and the whole band did. And you're talking about you're an entry level guitar player, young, just got your first guitar, and you're trying to learn unskinny bop. Even that main riff, that I mean, you're never. It's going to take you months to fucking figure those. But Nirvana, but Nirvana, all of a sudden you could play even at least at least come as you are. That riff, I mean, there's not. Every person I knew Everybody, that could play guitar, yeah. yep. you'd sit down and you walked into a guitar center. Then I yeah. can't even imagine the hell those <laughs> those fucking Hessians, because those were all hair metal dudes at guitar centers then. Uh-huh. Can't even imagine the hell. I they remember um, my dad's guitar class that he taught guitar at high school. And I can remember coming into that class and literally there's 20 people in there with out-of-tune guitars and they're all playing the Come As You Are riff <laughs> at different Two times. Two strings. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, they changed everything. I mean, just everything. Everything. Dan. You 
Kai and I obviously have talked about being hardcore. Yeah. I don't ever remember you saying that it was that impactful for you. Not like it was for you guys. I mean, it obviously it changed the landscape of the music scene. I didn't have MTV as a kid, so I didn't see that video, in, especially in contrast to other videos like you were talking about after the hair metal. There wasn't that holy shit moment, but I do remember being in my car because my brother could drive at the time. I was still, you know, we were young. And this song came on, and it was the, not the first time that my brother had heard it, but the first time I had heard it, he was like, oh, I like this song. And he turned it up, and I was like, what the? This is different. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that life-altering moment, but I was like, this is fucking good. And even good. if you didn't know it was different, as an eighth, uh, eighth grader, a ninth grader, your brain said, something's different. It's, but it wasn't what was on the radio at the time. That opening guitar riff just screamed yep. out of the radio. Like, people just yeah. cranked that. And even the dr- when the drums come in, that back go back. I mean, just everything about that was... It's, it's a generational it's anthem. Power. Totally. Oh, 100%. God, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's our generation's not anthem. Many things it's come along. It's our stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Not many things come along and instantly decimate the landscape to the point where um, there's a story of one of the hair bands. I think it was Warren or Wing or something. It was Warren. Uh, so, do you know the story I'm talking about? Pie. Yeah, 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 yeah. They go into the record label office and there's all the pictures up of the Warrants and the Wingers and all the hair bands and the A&R guys. Like, you and, guys and Cherry Pie was re- recorded in the same yeah. studio. Your next hit's going to be huge. Blah, blah, blah. We love you. And they said something to the effect of six months later, they show up for a meeting at the A&R all of the posters of those bands I mentioned are taken down. Now it's posters of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. And they instantly, they were treated coldly and they were like, it was so fast. Like our heads spun how quick that music came along. And those bands, there were tours. This is going to sound really crazy. The beginning of spring, the tour started in amphitheaters. And by the end of the you know summer or the year, if you will, those they were in theaters because People are just like, I don't, how can I listen to Winger when this Nirvana thing's happening? And for those of you in countries like England where you don't really have amphitheaters, you're talking about a quarter of the people. You're talking about amphitheaters are generally four to 5,000. And by the time you get to theaters, you're talking about 800 to 2,000. Yeah, Nirvana was in tiny little clubs. And they weren't the only band that was playing this type of music. It was just incredibly underground. And they were the one that exposed alternative rock, really. And they were the one that really had no footing in the hair metal thing. Because Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, Mm -hmm. even Alice in Chains, too, had a little bit of that. If you did. They had long, long, still long curly hair. They still didn't wear shirts. And they still had a lot of guitar solos. Nirvana, no fucking. Everybody thinks Pantera totally. is hard Listen as fuck. Listen, Cowboys you, from Hell, dude. You see the first Pantera press photo, you'll laugh out loud. They were they yeah. were hair metal. Even Cowboys from Hell, there's a lot of like it's it's heavy hair metal, but it's still kind of. I metal. remember being so obsessed with that record that the liner notes are very obscure and weird. It's yeah. just song lyrics. I remember staring at it, wondering who these people were, cutting out press clippings. I mean, it was you're at a, such a uh, you're like a sponge at that age. You know, when you find you something that you love, impressionable. That's the word. And they just came over and just dictated my existence to the point that um, I quit the high school baseball team. The same week that Kurt Cobain died, half of it was because the coach gave me a lot of shit for having long hair and I probably wasn't <laughs> that good. But the other reason was, along with Adam Holmes, we both left at the same time. The other reason was I was like, you know what? This band that I just started, I'm so much more invested in this. This is so much more who I am than being a baseball player. It's like, fuck you. I've like... Cobain's dead. I need to pick up the axe and oh, you know, carry on his carry mission. Legacy. But that happened. And that's where I how think I got addicted to heroin. <laughs> but that's another story. Kids, basically, when he because he died, their their career was so 
fast. It mm. happened. He Meteor, came and went yeah. and died so fast that I think all of us were still kind of left. Like he died when everyone was still in in love with this him. This is the first hero and, that I lost. Oh, this is the 100%. first person that I looked up it, to. That you know, my best. I've talked about this before. My best friend in the entire world. His he loved Cobain like even beyond what you and I talk about. It was his world, his life, his everything, and. He died. He committed suicide on this kid's birthday, oh, and I oh had to God. call him on his birthday in the morning because he was a late sleeper and break the fucking news to him and tell him like, "Hey, man." He's like, "Oh, it's, yeah, it's my birthday." I'm like, "I can't even say this to you, but you have to go turn on MTV right now." But I, you can't hang up the phone because I don't know what you're gonna do. We're 12, 13 years yeah. old. It's no, wild. Eighth grade. It was eighth grade, so thirteen years old, and. It was fucked. I mean, this this was a kid whose whole life. And was, when he died, it was another cultural watershed because yeah. it sounds weird, but it was a lot of people's first brush with suicide. If it didn't touch their life personally, which hope you know it didn't, but that's the first time you're like, wait, why would somebody so awesome kill themselves? It was yeah. kind of my first exposure to like real depression. Like, wait, he's the greatest dude on earth. Like, he's what? he's essentially God to me, and he's not happy and wants to die. Like, yeah. what does that mean for me? Yeah. It's heavy. But it made a lot of kids, myself included, pick up a guitar and be like, all right, well, now it is my duty. Now I have to take what he's taught me, yeah. and I have to go show the world what, like... What, and that's how I wrote, get him up! <laughs> but kind of. I mean, yeah. that's not far from the truth, as uh, weird as that sounds. Well, we're obviously slightly older. I'd be interested in seeing what you two think, coming from a kind of a different era, because you were a little kid when all that happened, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you guys can talk about the first time you've heard Nirvana, I was in like where it was so overplayed that I almost fucking hated Nirvana. I was like, turn this fucking song off right now and because I've heard where, it where so many too. times. Like, yeah. I get that. And you know, as now. I got older, I learned to appreciate it. Especially like I fucking love the Foo Fighters. So mm-hmm. figuring out where Dave Grohl came mm-hmm. from, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so I've a generation, and I think it, it's your generation, and Graham's from the same mindset where Nirvana was kind of so overplayed. So overplayed. They didn't, it, they, it, you weren't personally affected by it, and you almost had to listen to it to kind of understand it. And it was, I remember, it was already there. And I too. feel like if you was, Yeah, they didn't have the discovery factor of, this belongs to me as a 16-year-old. And because know? they burnt so fast, it be- they became a cliche instantly. Yeah. What year did he um, commit suicide? Yeah, I was wondering the same. 94. That was in like so first grade. Like, Nevermind came out in 91. It was, so it would have been know. April of 94 because yeah. I was in... I was in eighth grade. Yeah, and I was baseball team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. so that was that was eighth grade for us. 91. No. Second yeah, grade? Yeah, 91. It came, I, I was in eighth grade when the record came out yeah. and I was sophomore year when he died. Okay. And, so I was in uh, seventh and One of... Sense. One of the saddest things that's ever happened to me, and this is a completely true story, is I saw Nirvana. I saw them in Philadelphia at a huge armory on the In Utero tour one week before the Unplugged, which I think is one of the best live records oh, of all time. 100%. Definitely. The best acoustic record of all time. The end of the show, the, the girl came out with the cello and, you know tested the songs everyone's like why the fuck are they playing acoustic because keep in mind that was weird it was like acoustic right. what Come especially on, for rock. this band and then all of a sudden one week later they kind of make history with that acoustic show but here's my sad story uh the lineup was a band called half japanese they played first who were a very obscure kind of band that cobain would bring out obscure bands the second band was the breeders I'm oh, so yeah. pumped up. I'm a young kid. I'm seeing my hero. It's just so cool to go to the show. It's sold out to the rafters. The breeders start, and I run into the pit. 
and I am promptly elbowed in the mouth by a woman and bite my tongue and start gushing blood. I spend the entire Nirvana concert in the back of an armory with a napkin on my tongue bleeding. That's how I watch Nirvana. And all I want to do is like be in the pit because that was the days of the pit. Like you went in the pit. You know, and it was so, so sad. But it's one of the few artists that I, I really can go to my grave. When I tell people I see them, people kind of trip out. Like, there's people that grew up that weren't even around when he was born, and I tell them that they saw them. And it's almost how I felt when I was a kid talking to, like, my parents, and they say, oh, like, I saw, I saw Hendrix. I saw Hendrix. Yeah. That's the one you get a yep. lot. Like, yeah. dude, you got to see Jimi Hendrix. Like, people have come to me and said, I can't believe you saw them. You were in the same room, you know? And that's weird because there's not a lot of artists that you say that and people, like, trip. You not know? for our generation. Our yeah. parents got a lot of that. Yeah, because I mean, they got all the good ones. Everybody started dying. Yeah. All those, all those fucking cats. I mean, I, but here's another thing. He was one of the few artists that died at the peak of his powers. Yeah. Much like our parents' generation lost Hendrix and Janis Joplin <laughs> and Jim Morrison. Some of these iconic figures that died like when they were huge. Now I'm not a big Jordan Morrison fan, but to a lot of people, yeah. But he's he's our parents, Bradley Knoll, where like. They all know he sucks, <laughs> but these stupid stoner kids can't figure out the dude, fucking that is, difference. Dude, that is one of your nice all-time. That is really solid, <laughs> is. dude. Jim Morrison is our Bradley Knowles. Yeah, That's great. I hate them both. Great. Um, so now let me ask you this question uh, to everybody in, involved. Historically speaking, because I know you have some intense thoughts on this, Kai. How do those records – Nirvana made three records. One was essentially a demo that was a full-length yeah. record on their own, but – one is Nevermind, which changed the face of music. And Utero is the somewhat controversial follow-up. Then there's a B-Sides record that doesn't really count. And then there's a great live record. I still think Incesticide counts because it is, in my opinion, one of the best B-Sides records. Gotcha. Period. How do you think those records hold up now? I feel the same way as like we were talking about. It, it, I mean, I can't explain to you how many times I listened to all of those records, how important to me they were at the time. But I don't ever listen to them now. And yeah. when I do... Why is that, though? Because much like you were saying, Jacqueline, they've become a bit of a cliche. It, I remember being a kid and my dad exposed, like turning me on to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, that's got, about to get weird. He, he, I know he being showed a kid Led, and my dad Led exposing me. himself to me. My dad turning me on yeah. to Led Zeppelin. I mean, but there's no surprise here that my dad was fucking naked guy. Come on. <laughs> Of course it was. Love you, John. Poor, poor Dodsy can never listen to Misty Mountain Hop without. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, anyway, Misty so pop. he he introduced me to Led Zeppelin at a pretty young age, and I remember just that was another band later, at, well after the Nirvana thing, but another band that was like I was like, holy shit! I I never forget listen, laying on my floor and listening to an LP with headphones on of Led Zeppelin one and just being like, well, everything's now different again. And (laughs) I had that space with the Beatles when I was very, very young and just big, it was fucked. And I remember then trying to talk to him about it and being like, dad, let's fucking listen to these records. And him being like him saying to me, you know, I like Led Zeppelin and they're great. And I, you know, they were so important. I love them. And I went, I saw them, blah, blah, blah. But that's a band I never need to hear again. Just enjoy them. I'll, I'll help you out. Just enjoy them. And I remember being like, you're, fucking 
crazy. Yeah, how do you not want to listen to this every single second of your life? This is the greatest shit ever. Black Dog is what the best riff ever. It's <laughs> yeah. damn good riff. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. But there's so many riffs like that. Yeah. And just, it's like, this is the greatest fucking band. And how do you not want to listen to this? And I feel that way about Nirvana. I, I've heard the song so many it. times. I know every note nuance of it i know it so deeply that i don't need to listen to it anymore yes I, it is part of me but <laughs> in watching the documentary that we talked about there were songs that came up particularly songs on uh on, on in utero where i was like you know what they're fuck i don't give this band enough i don't listen to this band enough i think but then you went I, through a period where you were i not against them by any means because you were always honest about how they influenced you but i can remember in the van being like dude i don't want to listen to nirvana yeah and i you know? really don't and i still stand by that the chances of me putting nevermind on ever again in my life probably it's never gonna yeah, happen i never ever ever go to it but i'll be damned if you crank nirvana and you catch like the right vibe yeah it's something breed. special. I mean, breed that Ugh. fucking the it, there's lithium, just, fucking oh man. There's there it it is, but they were a band that happened at the right time. Yeah, culture and music needed Nirvana to happen, and I believe Definitely. if it wasn't then, it would have been someone else. It, absolutely, the times were, were ready to. Our generation was ready. Like we want something different because yeah. we were the the bored generation. That generation X was very much like. I'm bored. There's no internet yet. We had like, everything. We, we had the Simpsons and like yeah. don't have Cowman. And yeah. we kind of had everything. We were so privileged. We nobody. We didn't really care to work or hard. Like they, it was the perfect band to come along. Because yeah. looking at again, looking at those hair metal bands, kind of wanted like, people wanted to be, be like, slackers. Yeah, man, I would have to work so hard to be that guy. But then Kirk Cobain comes along. Like, Shit, I could do this like twice and i could probably figure out that song kind of like obviously you're not going to play it as well as him but you'll play it enough to impress the young girl whose boobies you're trying to touch mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you encourage yourself to continue learning exactly not like fuck man i'm never going to get this yeah you know true. for and me i uh i can't think of nirvana without thinking of uh weird al when he oh, hell yeah. like nirvana yeah. that is like well, think about forever that. ingrained in think my about mind whenever how I big nirvana got it's one of the only songs weird al did where he made fun of the band. Right. It's in the, the only one. It's the only one. He did a song parodying the band. He does not about food, not about, not, you know, it's crazy. And he parodied the record cover, and he's done that, what, twice? Three times? Coolio, kind of, but it wasn't the actual cover. This this right. one and, and Fat. Fat are the only two, I think, where he actually mm -hmm. parodied mm -hmm. a cover the record, The record was so... It's, it's, and that's Michael Jackson. It's so important. I mean, it's yeah. so important in the history of music and, and, and culture, like we said. But ultimately, where do you... I mean, watching that documentary, because Kurt Cobain, the person, I think, really has to be talked about differently than Nirvana the band. Absolutely. Maybe more than most acts. You know how some acts you can kind of like take the person or the artist and they're sort of one and the same? It's a very different thing because his life was just fucked up. Absolutely. And the doc here's the problem with the documentary that I, I so so I actually did not like the documentary at all. I'm with and you. And I, I was ready to like it love it and I was ready to like cry. What, what I was ready didn't you like about it? Here's the thing. I thought it, the animation was a brilliant way to get some stuff. Animation across. was good, the footage was cool. Okay, 
it good was, interviews, a lot of interesting people. Not, I see. I think the interviews were fucked. I think who did they talk to? They talked to his mom that he hated that he didn't fucking talk okay. to. They talked to his fucked up junkie wife who wants nothing to do but make money because she squandered every cent he made for her. Okay. They talked to Chris Novoselic for three seconds. They don't even talk to Dave Grohl. They don't talk to how they she, not get Grohl. They don't because he wouldn't do it because Courtney exactly. Love produced. Here's why I I look, read this all afterward. Oh. Courtney Love because I I was watching, do anything. I was watching the whole thing and. Girl probably time, show up on the fucking podcast next. Whole week. time I was like, there is an agenda here <laughs> that is, is I be essentially that. trying to elevate this man to be something more than he is because he was always just kind of like the dude that made these that changed the world. Like, and this was trying to make him out to be like he was this sort of always this saint with an agenda kind, not saint, but this sort of man with like who was set out to change the world and i didn't get and i don't ever feel that about him i, didn't I don't feel, about feel that way either and, and in fact the what i know i've read so much me all too. the books everything me too i really don't and this is hard for me to say especially thinking of like the ninth grade version of myself but i don't really like him as a person no and like, he just i don't think i would have liked him if i knew him i mean kind of came off as a he came off like a fucking kind of like a dick sometimes he was like, just that kid who was so insecure that his overcompensation was by kind of being a dick like yeah. he got famous and everybody loved him and his way, thing was being like well no one liked me then so no one's gonna like me now so i might as well make them not like me and and that's cool but as a you know for a 25 year old i would have done the exact same and then fucking to, thing. to go that far down with the drugs that he yeah. did well it, here's my problem with the documentary is that they really didn't address that at all. They didn't address anything. They talk about heroin it was this, in there, though? They did like, talk barely. about they, But it was like, yeah, and this thing happened with some drugs, maybe. It was Courtney Love being like, he just wanted to get fucked up, and I was sober. Like, that's not true, uh, you not crazy cunt. He was a junkie. I mean, he Absolutely. was a junkie. Definitely. And, and he also accepted that. Instead of trying to... And I have... I know depression is awful, and I know drug addiction is intense, and I don't suffer from it, but... Man, you got a fucking kid. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's so many people that love and, and care about you. And all they show him playing that kid with like a like it's a fucking toy or a new puppy or some right. weird shit. Yeah, it's like he had a lot of issues. There's no doubt about it. But what also gets me too is fucking Courtney Love is a piece of shit. Yes, it's and clear she's she's like Yoko on on. Heroin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Quite literally. Man, you're, was, you're, you're between that and the Jim Morrison comparison. You got you throwing up some I, fucking. I was surprised with how put together she seemed, though, at the interview. She's pretty like, put together her now. slur. Yeah. But she was still like, you could tell she'd been having, she dipped in the pill jar. The I guess that's she was like, true. But the whole time I was like watching her talk, I'm so used to like Courtney Love being like, fucking crazy Courtney Love. Her and then at this interview, I was like, oh, wow. Her story is, is, phenomenal and bizarre like her entire life story yeah. I mean, again that's a conversation for another time but literally she had nothing she stripped at jumbo's yeah, clown room i know which is a bar that jumbo's? we go to wow. oh, yeah. sometimes in la she had nothing and supposedly there's a true this is a true story and it was not successful she jumbo's made a list of things i am going to do and on this list like a guy had it it's in the documentary not that one but and it's crazy stuff like i'm gonna get rich I'm not making this up. I'm going to marry a rock star. I'm going to become best friends with Michael Stipe. And like everything on this list 
happened. Like That's fucked so up. Fucking crazy. Like fucked up. Like you were basically like trash living in Hollywood and you're fucking making this dream fantasy list and you accomplish it. I mean her I mean she drive, must have been doing something right her to tenacity accomplish her list. was so, secret. Yeah. She, but but she knew she I want that list. She, she wrote the secret. She fucking saw that Kurt Cobain was the type of guy who wanted a loud, aggressive, protective woman that woman. loved him till the end exactly like, and i think she took advantage of that and this is gonna like sound harsh brother. as fuck but i don't think she did anything to try and get him off drugs hell no, no. Yeah. i mean if he she did, was she would have her. Her. And realized how heinous she was yeah exactly all she did dude she she literally watched sid and nancy and was like i could do that yeah i could be nancy spongin <laughs> she look at her dude she, yeah, geez, you know she's true. in sid and nancy i know that yeah. so um we know we, we all know who this person is you guys know who it is but um, I definitely can't say the guy's name. Who is, again, someone up. who should have been interviewing this motherfucking documentary. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that should be yeah. in yes. this. A guy that, that we not. know, um, a guy who's very much was a mentor to me in the music industry, who is still in the music industry, and I will say no more than that. He Michael was Stipe. involved in, Michael Stipe, <laughs> he was involved in Nirvana's career. Not on the outside, actually involved in the career. I'm not going to say whether he was a manager or a label head or an A&R guy or whatever, but he Guitar knew Kurt Cobain. He was friends with Kurt Cobain. Bane. He spent real time with them and saw the whole big fucking thing and all the tragedy. Um, if you get the Heavier Than Heaven book about Kurt Cobain, the definitive biography, he's in the motherfucker. Let's put it that way. So this guy is a close friend of mine. You guys know who he is and have met him. But he told me that Courtney Love was a terrible human being and that she was one of the worst things. He said the heroin was bad. He told me once, he said, the heroin was bad, but she was just as bad. And he said the two were just a combination where he had no hope. Not only was he with a horrible, controlling, conniving, dangerous human being, he was also addicted to drugs. And he also suffered from depression. So you had no hope. It wasn't like the woman came along to get him out of that. She was making it worse, you know. Which is why Grohl was in the documentary, because he fucking hates her, as you any of us would. I mean, any of us would. I, I don't remember. I have to confess. It's I sort why of, we wouldn't we wouldn't watch a documentary about Valerie Jimenez or produced by Valerie Jimenez. You produced know? Like, by Valerie Jimenez. You know of course what I'm saying. And I, I I didn't see the whole documentary because I fell asleep and haven't gotten back to it. But was there any discussion about his mental health in the documentary? I don't think not there really. was. Not really. No. Like they just glossed. They didn't even really address it. The only it. thing was more it, not about his actual mental instability or his depression was more about his just being like a. A lonely child, a troubled kid. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, and he had a terrible upbringing. I mean, that plays into everything. And they barely talk about that because his fucking mom is the primary interviewee, who is essentially the first Courtney Love in his life. It's fucking horrible. If you anything you read, if you know anything about this man, you know that him and his mom did not get along, and she was not a good person. And she's going on there talking about my Kurt. My God, come on! He was over in his underoos talking. Fucking when she talks about. he played the final master of Nevermind for me and I told him you're, you're gonna change everything oh, oh yeah, god right. I wanna reach in that goddamn TV and just well it's funny that you say that because I don't know anything about them and as I was watching it I was like seriously all that happened was his parents got divorced and now he's this fucked up like you know what I mean like they didn't portray that at all and I was watching this and I was like he was a juvenile delinquent I mean like many kids yeah. are you yeah. know he fell but into innocent well, shit the way like that, shoplifting and yeah and that's breaking. what they ex- 
they explain in the documentary. What, what but it blows it's, my mind, what, and, and a lot of people don't realize it, but he's arguably a better artist, a physical, visual artist yeah. than, than he even was a songwriter or a singer. I mean, he was incredibly gifted. Some of his drawings and his art, he did crazy like sculptures and collages with all sorts of like mannequins. Like some of the pictures of the stuff that he created are like, okay, this guy was an artsy motherfucker, no doubt, but. It's almost like if he would have went down that road instead of the rock stardom and just been sort of an abstract artist, he'd probably still be alive. You know? Yeah. I mean, one would He think couldn't him. handle fame. I don't think there's any doubt about no. it. And it, not that. It was too much. And so fast. Yeah. You're touring around Europe in a van with like 10 dudes doing the Army of Freshmen thing, playing in front of 10 people, and then one year later, you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, and it's not like, oh, we're get, we have a path to get there, and it starts here. It's just like, wow, I can't believe we're on tour. This is fucking great. And then all of a sudden, like you're the most famous band in the world. They never, ever saw that yeah. coming. And, and, and they were 25. Young, really imagine, young. Imagine, yeah. imagine. Think about the horrible decisions I made at and 25. The power. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. You're, and you're now the king of the entire music industry because the, you've just changed. You've wiped everything else off the face of the planet yeah. in terms of like young white music. You've changed it all. And you can do it ever. And say whatever you, you want. want. And yeah. when he died. And uh, he didn't say much. Most of the interviews were Chris Novoselic talking. Yeah. And, and he doesn't come off good in interviews because he was yeah. always just trying to be smarky and weird. So I got a lot of mixed feelings about Nirvana and Kurt Cobain as a person. I really try and separate and be like, I love the fucking band. Yeah. But that was a troubled, troubled person. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was going to, what he did was going to happen regardless with the depression and drugs. I mean, and it I was also, a matter happening. But how he did it. I mean, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, man, you know how everybody fucking bullshits around with suicide? There's no bullshitting with that motherfucker, uh-huh. man. He shot himself. In, with a shotgun. With a shotgun. Like, that's not easy to do. And that's have not they like ever revealed handgun. what the letter to Kurt, Courtney Love said? I don't think so. Because he had the letter to the fans. They didn't, yeah. He was so big, he wrote a letter to his fans. Yeah. I mean, think about that shit. Like, you're committed to do that. Like, if you're thinking about it, it's wild. To write several letters. What's going through your fucking mind? You got a wife, a kid, this whole, I mean, whew, whew, can't even imagine. Here's the weird thing, though. I, I honestly think he's a dude that kind of, he's a martyr. He needed to die. Had he lived and sucked and got lame, and he would have. He definitely would have. He didn't have. Yeah, a dude, imagine seeing that dude now at 50 going around singing those songs. It would not That's wild. Work. Totally and, washed and out. It yeah. would not work. That's wild. It would Enter be... the Courtney Love conspiracy that talked yeah. him into maybe doing it because she maybe knew or thought or just wanted him fucking gone. I'm not a conspiracy theorist myself. I'm just saying. That can't that's that where that it comes out of your mouth. That's great. <laughs> but, but there is a documentary called Kurt and Courtney, which, yeah. which, which pr- promotes the fact that yeah. she tried to have him killed. I which I'm not sure I one. believe. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty hokey documentary. It's but, pretty bad. You know, talking down to somebody for that long and being a shitty person and maybe like not discouraging him to not kill himself or discouraging treatment or just like, yeah, have some more heroin. Like, yeah, it's wild. Certainly got susceptible to peer pressure. And again, the whole story would have been different if he would, there's no way. Imagine, imagine how fucking awkward it is to see Blink singing songs about jacking off when they're like not even 50. Now imagine those guys singing songs about literally just hating being a teenage, like yeah. song that smells like teen spirit Think at about 50. like, hey, uh-uh. the headliner at Coachella this year is the Nirvana reunion. 
and, like, and it's a fucking weird thought, Nova Selleck's all fat and bald. It's and just the band. Girl doesn't, doesn't even want to do it because he's more a, famous. You're and, right. There's a certain martyr factor. Kobe looks like his dad it, all that weird band looking. just couldn't. It had to implode. Had to. It would have been a bit like seeing Real Big Fish sing songs about being in their 20s last Fair week. Enough. Like we did. <laughs> and I was there uh, for that. Yeah, it was fun. Like, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, just imagine. And that next record probably would have sucked. Yeah. I mean, who knows what would happen. He, and a lot of people think he would have went solo and acoustic. A lot of people think that that's that. where it was going, that the band would have broken up. But just he was a guy that I think was just meant for that time. And I can't even think how a guy like that would function. How he did interviews and how he was and who he was in this world of the internet and whatnot. I just can't see him. Yeah, imagine following Kurt Cobain on Twitter. What is he going to say? Is he going to get all fucked up on heroin and just spout some His publicists would shit? never let him have a Twitter yeah, account. No, they true. would do it for him. I now they would. He probably wouldn't even know it's how to do it. It's a wild thought. It's just like he, that band doesn't work does not how what happened to them doesn't work now no you know not by a long shot no it's 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 wild but honestly regardless of what you think of him one of the most important rock bands ever without a doubt we wouldn't have what's happening right now yeah. still we would not now, be sitting here 20 years this later conversation without without that, that 100%. yeah i mean it's one of those things like you may not like them or you may not appreciate them or maybe they didn't affect you because they hit us right at the right time but they are one of the most important bands of all time and i think it's one of those weird things to say as as old guys it sounds like if you weren't there and you weren't especially a young male when that hit, you felt like he understood you. He he absolutely did. I, I was remember, a fat I loner I was kid kinda... with no like he was literally singing exactly to me yeah. about my life. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was pissed for all the wrong reasons because I had yeah. a totally great life. But <laughs> god damn it, at the time you were supposed to be pissed off and bored, yep. and I'm fucking parents don't understand me, and I live in the suburbs. Every teenager ever. Angry. Yeah. <laughs> but he encapsulated that like better than anybody ever did. One of the big he, things he that, seemed to mean it. Yeah, one of the big things that let me, let me down about him a little bit is the lyrics are very, 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 very cryptic, as we all know. Yeah. And then I found out, you know, early on that he actually wrote a lot of those lyrics like on the way to the studio. Yeah. He didn't really care that much about lyrics and what they meant. He just kind of just sort of shit it out. Well, I guess I mean, that would make sense on melodies. why some of them don't even make any sense. Yeah, really. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I'm such a lyric guy. I love guys that actually put thought me into too. them and to think like. And One they're of, cryptic in such a way that you can make it be brilliant. It, but maybe but that's but, but that's good it, art in general, though, yeah, right? You but, are read, look at a painting, yeah. read a book, I mean, and you maybe interpret things but I think the way he you're supposed. Forced to. it almost. If you look back at some of those Bane lyrics, like for instance, uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." First Bane off, lyrics. <laughs> for the listening audience, he means Kurt Cobain. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." First off, "Smells Like Teen Spirit's great, but it doesn't appear in the song. And it was a logo of a deodorant. It was a deodorant logo. Yeah. It smells like Teen Spirit. So he didn't even come up. The, mo the famous song that he's iconically known for, the name of the tune, is the name of a, a deodorant for teenagers. Right. You know? He just looked over and said, oh, that would make a good name for a song. And literally his whole... But that, it was brilliant. But it that, was, exactly. Yeah. It summed up teenage angst in a fucking deodorant bottle. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, everything is just... The lyrics really aren't that good. You know, really. But lithium. Or Fuck yeah, they? man. I'm on lithium right now, man. Teen spirit. Come as you are. Be who you are. You know, breed. You know, territorial pissings. It's like... That was a great one. But the songs really don't even tell much of a story. Like, uh, Polly's is the closest me. thing. Rate me. He says rate me literally because... It's an, uh, uh, 
a controversial thing at yeah. the time to wow. say. Because me, my friend, do it and do it again. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. That's but, it. Fuck, dude. You know. I mean, that makes Eddie Vedder look like Tom Waits. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question for you. In the great debate, there's the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles, and there's Nirvana versus Pearl Jam. At the end of the day, are you a Nirvana man or a Pearl Jam man? That's hard to say because Nirvana was definitely more important to me, but I listen to Pearl Jam way more, but they've also continued on, and I still think they make great records. You, you, you have the exact same answer I do. Nirvana changed me more, but ultimately I listen to Pearl Jam a hell of a lot more than I yeah. listen to Nirvana. How about you, Dan? Nirvana versus Pearl Jam. You know, I hate to be a sheep, but I'm kind of in the same camp. Like, I feel strongly, much more strongly about Nirvana, and I feel like Nirvana was more important, but again, I listen to more Pearl Jam. I'm not like a big Pearl Jam fan, but I still listen to 10 a lot more than I listen to In Utero. Yeah, me too. John? Uh, honestly, I think I'd go the opposite. I'd go to uh, Nirvana before I'd go to Pearl Jam, but maybe it hasn't been played out for me because I didn't, I didn't play it out when I was younger. I, it was an older brother band for me, growing up. How about you, Jacqueline? I'm I'm with John. I never really listened to Pearl Jam. They have wow. like one song Eddie in like the early 2000s the, that I really like. One song. <laughs> Jesus, you know what this means we have to do a fucking podcast on Pearl Jam because uh, I will not be here for that. There's, there's a whole side of this story that I think. Educate you. Yeah. yeah. No. See, that's the thing is I respect Pearl Jam, but it's the better voice and it's but his early, yeah. it's he's same. gotten it's less creed. It's, it's no yeah. way. Well, and that's why there was like that song and like. I don't know, 2007 or 8? Less chin, more goat these days. Nice. <laughs> he so sounds good. different now. Every yeah. Pearl Jam record has at least three songs that Great are musicians. fucking oh, yeah. incredible. Totally. That Absolutely. are incredible. You know? I've Mad seen respect. them a million times, and they're fucking insanely good every time. I love every record they've ever put out. They I, have can a couple, not, I can say about very few They bands. have a couple ballads that I would say pound for pound are some of the best rock ballads yep. ever written. Absolutely. Know? Don't call me in chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make your mind. I've got the chairman. Don't call me chairman. <laughs> Don't call me Hollywood chairman. The Texas. <laughs> the Texas cat will remind me. Long spoon man. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, hey, what a great conversation about Nirvana. It's nice to talk some music. Agreed. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple other bands I think that deserve yeah. full podcasts. Definitely check that documentary out. Let us know what you think. Because obviously, I mean, I yeah. really, I was deeply, mortally offended by it, and it I really, a- but I think because I was going in and I was like. This is the, what I've been waiting for. This, like, I was ready to sit down and have a tender moment. I I've been waiting it. for that documentary since I was in the tenth grade. Me too. And yeah. I've again, like you, I've read several books. I was ready, like I was ready to just put my heart in and just cry and just relive that all over again. And I was just pissed off. I thought Corny Love just it was so self-serving to everybody but the people involved. But as we all know, the biggest winner in the Nirvana story is Dave Grohl. Oh, oh, yeah. Hell yeah! But and, that's because and early he, on he's a character that you never would have said. You know what? In twenty years, everybody's gonna wish they were that dude because you could be yeah. Cobain, he's dead. You don't want to be him, or you could be Novoselic, who's you know old and bald, living in obscurity. But the thing is, it's a testament to his skill because to outlive that shadow. We're just talking about a band that influenced music forever, changed everything. It? How do you do? And it? he is. If you ask most people, hey, what do you know Dave Grohl for? Most of them will say Foo Fighters. Yeah. Very few of them will say Nirvana, and that's. Fucking That's insane. the only reason why I gave Nirvana is a chance because I fucking love the Foo Fighters. You can't say that about Paul McCartney. You can't say that about Foo Fighters. You can't say that about any. It's true. Name another Foo Fighters are nearly on twenty years. More famous for his that's band true. after his biggest band. I'm gonna give you one that's a little bizarre. Do it. I don't like it, but 
I think Justin Timberlake is bigger than NSYNC. Fuck you're yeah. right. I will That's true. You're absolutely nice right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Nice poll. He's the... So if you guys want to have a podcast about NSYNC, I got you guys. I, I definitely think Jay Z is bigger than NSYNC. I remember exactly where it was I when I saw exactly No Strings Attached. I, I saw them live. My I dad took me. I saw them on the No Strings Attached tour. So it was did fucking I. amazing. And I have the DVD and I still have the t-shirt. Fuck all y'all. It was great. It was performance art. That's amazing. Stand by it. Oh, man. Well, folks, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Nirvana. Send in and send in some bands that you'd like to hear us talk about. If you'd like to see a whole podcast on a certain band, put it in there. We'd love to talk some more about bands in depth. Weigh in on the uh, Nirvana Pearl Jam debate, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in fact, text, just text, just at, tweet at Fresh Talk Pod. Either Nirvana or Pearl Jam, just the one word. We'll do a little tally. We'll get back to you and see who the, who the winner is. Nirvana first. Pearl Don't even need to Jam. give us a reason. Just who? Who's mm-hmm. who? Do you like more? Who's a better band? I like that. Mm, that's intense. The the debate. The Though debate. I really think the real debate is who's a better band, Nirvana or Foo Fighters. Except for that, it's not a debate. That's not really but, a question, even. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Whoa! Wait, what? Yeah. Tell I think, you, think you're outnumbered here, Jay, man. That's interesting, though. Nirvana was definitely more important, but Foo Fighters hand over fist better band. Oh, Agreed. so much better. Easily. Agreed. Fuck, I think I may have to agree with you, and yeah. I'm not happy about <laughs> it. And you're, you're I'm a not Dave Grohl hater. About but if I'm you not pick, a Dave Grohl hater. I'm a Dave Grohl realist. Yeah, but you, sure. But you pick the best five Foo Fighters songs, the best five Nirvana songs, and let's talk about which is better. Fuck, for a second I was like, you're full of shit, and I'm like, mm, Everlong. Maybe. Yeah. He's like, Fuck, again. Yeah, yeah Everlong alone, though. Put out yeah, Everlong Eight alone. records versus a band that has put out Three. Uh, everyone's maybe one of the best of rock records. songs ever written. Uh, probably. So yeah. and, it's up and there for me. It, I mean, and that's on a record where it's so good that you don't even think about My Hero, which is f- yeah mid tempo ballad. That's Shit, man. I stopped at I stopped at Monkey Wrench. I was like, well, this is it. Totally. Yeah. I like Big Me, dude. Yeah. I, was, I always uh, thought totally. Big Me was Monkey, great. Big Me, best of me. Whew. Yeah, best oh. of me. They're so good. That record is just mm. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Got music, music <laughs> boners all around. You're talking my language now. The one thing, one of the things though, best thing ever, best thing ever is fucking Dave Grohl's teeth in that Nirvana documentary. Motherfucker, clearly, as soon as he got a dollar, oh yeah, shares, totally. Those early pictures to the point where my wife is in love with Dave Grohl. Thinks he like literally. I guarantee you, if he walked into our house and just said, "I'm fucking you right now," she would fuck him in front of I me. I would fight no her problem, and I wouldn't even be bummed about it. I'd probably jerk off in the corner, like not even caring. Uh, I mean, is she pro- showing you a titty? I'd be like, you probably fuck him Can first. I, I definitely yeah. try. I'd probably try to get a little finger in his butt at least. <laughs> Can no, I get a titty over just, here? Yeah. Yeah, what, but totally redefining the meaning to big me <laughs> so we watched that on Friday night and all weekend just just randomly we'd be like walking we were in the grocery store on Sunday and she's just like fucking Dave Grohl's teeth in that I just fuck I just and you know what's she funny about literally that. like just mind blown not check this out I remember looking anymore. at the record and it was the only picture you could find of them at the time literally it was the only thing oh, there was no internet you just looked in the back of the record I remember there's a picture of Dave Grohl with his hair kind of pulled back yeah. in a ponytail yeah, yeah. and he looks like oh, these huge teeth he looks like a stone cold nerd he was and it was so monkey. normal it was like that's a normal guy look at that ugly yeah. ass dude you know <laughs> Yep. Crazy. I'll tell you my uh, Dave Grohl, my final story to end the whole podcast on Nirvana. One day, my phone rings. I wake up. It's Owen. He says, Chris, you know the bicycle shop right around the corner from your house? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Dave Grohl's in there right now. He was like, and we're I talking was just, two blocks from your house. Yeah. He's like, I was just in line behind him, dude. He's in there buying bikes for his kids. He had a house uh, in Oxnard uh, Shores, right next to where we live in Ventura. As far as I know, he still does. Uh, he doesn't have any more. No, he sold it. Yeah, but he had a house there. Crushing my so dreams. I'm wasting I, all of my time in Oxnard. I get up, jump out of bed, 
run to my CD collection, grab Nirvana, never mind, grab a Sharpie, run down to my car. Like I'm literally have what I was wearing when I went to sleep. I pull in in the neon. So I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. I pull into the, I pull into it's the like slot. Fred Flintstone just right, pedaling. I mean, I, to, to me with that, again, being like such an important yeah. band to me, I didn't want a Foo Fighters record sign. I just wanted him to sign. Nirvana, never mind. And just be like a guy that played music on this signed it. I pull in, arr, I grab, I look to the left. I'm not even out of my car. Dave Grohl's butt is pressed against the neon of the window. He is putting his little or the window kids, of the neon. Yeah, yeah the window of the For neon. For those of you that do not speak, Chris, yeah. <laughs> he he is putting his little baby into the car seat, and his wife's on the other side. I mean, literally, I'm telling you, if I roll down his window. I smacked Dave Grohl. My window. I smacked Dave Grohl. You could have got that finger in his butt I was talking about. (laughs) And I'm holding the Sharpie and I'm holding the thing and I'm staring at his ass and I'm thinking like, you know what? Like, I have no qualms asking people for pictures or autographs as you guys know, but you just don't do it when a guy's with his baby. Like, if he's in line at the bike store, you do it. You see him outside of the bike store, you do it. He's holding his child and putting it into a car seat. And all I could imagine was me popping out, excuse me, sir, can I get an autograph? Like, he's going to be freaked out. Can I be out. on this like, record you put out 20 years ago? Yeah, that's like, not what really are the your band? fucking odds that a dude who, keep in mind, he turned and looked at me when I pulled in fast. I didn't know. I thought he was still in the store. Right. And I just sat there in the car, and I just looked over, and I watched Dave Grohl. Put his child in, lock him in, open Start, up the car door. Started jerking off. Pop <laughs> in. jerking at this point. Pull out and drive off. And I put Nirvana Nevermind in the CD player. And wept. And, <laughs> and, and, but it was cool because I put it in. And it's true. And as I put it in, as his car was pulling out, and he drove off as I listened to Nirvana. Jerking through your chairs. Cool story, huh? That is a cool story. Yeah. Righteous guy, that Dave Grohl. Righteous yep. guy. Well, hey, yeah. we're going to wrap up. Dan, where can everybody find us? Uh, you can find us at freshtalkpodcast.com. That has links to all of our socials, which are at freshtalkpod on the Instagram, mm-hmm. which has fallen into disrepair at this point, and the Twitters. <laughs> Already are, fallen into disrepair, the old Instagram. Uh, you It'll know, be back. Fresh Talk Podcast on the Facebook, and please like and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. That way, as we mentioned last week, we're seeing a lot of traffic come through um, Safari Mobile, which means people are listening like in their browser. If you just subscribe, you get it delivered every week. Yeah, you don't have to do the work of finding it and clicking on the new one. Just mm-hmm. hop on there. We'll send it to you. Follow it. Hop on iTunes. Give us a review. And all we ask is just spread the word. A yeah. tweet, a Facebook post. Just tell somebody about this podcast if you enjoy it. Because again, we're always trying to increase listeners. And we're slow but steady. We're here. We're slowly rising. Slowly every single week. But it takes people like you to tell other people that it exists and you enjoy it. And if you act now, we'll throw in a second set of Ginsu knives that you can give away. <laughs> but hold on. There's more. <laughs> now how much would you the pay? The reason the Instagram has fallen disrepair is because there's no easy way to switch between accounts because Instagram That's, are horrible it's people. Absolutely oh, true. Wow. And because Kai got the shit in Burma. <laughs> That's you I could have Instagrammed you that. Just, <laughs> I could have just done a little a little vine of me just peeing out of my butthole. I love just, the idea uh, that when Rambo fucking drops That's not a pee-pee. When Rambo drops the Claymore bomb at the end, it's actually your butt. Is butthole. that a euphemism? <laughs> yeah. When Rambo drops the claymore, yeah, dude, that's good. If you, it was, have, to, if you have to take a real it brutal was a shit, <laughs> like, oh my God. dude, Rambo's about to drop a claymore, man. <laughs> Those are directional too, so that could be really brutal. That's my long-term fart noise. You hear that? Still raging. 
<laughs> My phrase. Hey, last but not least, by the time you hear this, you won't be able to watch it. But my main number one homie songwriter favorite in the world, Tom Waits, is returning to TV tomorrow night playing on one of David Letterman's last shows, and he's debuting a new song. Oh, wow, really? That's pretty cool. Thanks for letting me know. Cue the bossa nova. Bossa nova. 